Don't look at us like, don't put us up on a pedestal. Uh, You're overestimating who we are. We're simply servants of Christ with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And whatever Jesus says, we'll do. And wherever Jesus sends, we will go. And wherever he leads, we will follow. And whatever he requires, we will give. And whatever he demands, we will obey. That's what a minister is. He's an under, he's just a servant of Jesus Christ. Got his eyes fixed on Jesus, doing whatever Jesus asked him to do. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Have you ever asked yourself the question, who is Jesus, or what does it mean to be saved? How about questions like, what is eternity, or is there really a God, and where is he when I'm truly suffering? These are just some of the topics we explore every weeknight at this time. Over the next 30 minutes, you are going to hear a small taste of what Pastor Dudley Rutherford's teaching ministry is all about. Let's join Dudley right now as he begins his message for us tonight. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you have your sermon notes, you can look at the title of this message I want to speak to you on the subject of what is a minister? What is a minister? We've been preaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. We've looked at the first three chapters, and today is chapter 4. Next week, if you come back, we'll look at chapter 5 as we make our way. We call this series First Californians because everything that was happening in Corinth is basically happening in California today. And so as we decide and look at what Paul said to the church in Corinth, it's also good for the church here in Los Angeles. Now, I've lived in L.A. for uh, over 25 years. Uh, You know, this is Hollywood land. And uh, I've never seen, I was thinking about this, I've never seen a movie or a sitcom where the minister that was portrayed was a normal person, like me, for example. Okay? How many of you know I'm a normal person? For the most part, I'm normal. Every sitcom and every television show that portrays a minister, he's always squirrely. He's a little geeky. They make him seem, uh, I don't know, not like a normal person to me, all right? But that's what Hollywood, that's their view of a minister, uh, what you've seen portrayed. Uh, An atheist, they view a minister as uh, nothing more than a, a producer of hot air. Any atheist would look at a minister and go, that guy's nothing but a producer of hot air. Now, uh, non-believers, they would think that uh, preachers are con artists, but most people think that ministers are a mild-mannered man standing before mild-mannered people, giving a mild-mannered sermonette, encouraging people to be more mild-mannered. That's probably the average view of a of a preacher. Now, I, this is a picture. Uh, they have all these photos like going around the internet or Instagram. Uh, this is like, this is in the upper left-hand corner. This is what my friends think that I do. They think I sit around and put my feet up on the desk all day and do nothing. Uh, my mom, she thinks I'm Moses. <laughs> that I can part the Red Sea. Uh, the world thinks all I do is take up an offering, which I'm pretty good at. 
Uh, my colleagues, they, all they think is I play golf. They think I play golf every day. And sometimes I ask myself, if they think that, I might as well do it. You know what I'm saying? But I don't. Uh, and now, what I think I do, I think I'm Billy Graham, standing before thousands. Uh, you know, the world's greatest evangelist. And what I really am, in the lower right-hand corner, I usually just put people to sleep, uh, is what I normally do. Now, in Corinth, and the people to whom Paul is writing this book, they thought of their ministers as heroes. They loved their evangelists, their pastors, to the degree where they actually worshipped them to some degree. The church was actually divided because the church, they loved this preacher, this group loved this preacher, and this group loved this preacher. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, and 3, Paul points out the danger and the weakness and the error of following man and putting trust in man. When we come to chapter 4, he's going to correct the problem by telling the people and giving them a proper view of what a minister actually is, all right? So number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. He wants them to know that a minister is basically a servant of Christ. That's all we are. We are a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, So then, men ought, say the word ought, they ought to regard us, instead of putting us up on a pedestal, you ought to regard us as simply servants of Christ. Now, some churches view their minister as a hired, the hired hand. Like, hey, we hired you, mister, and your job, talking to me, your job is to do all the evangelism for us. Your job is to do all the outreach for us. Your job is to do all the weddings and the funerals and the baptisms. I just saw Pastor Sean. He's in a suit and a tie back there. And, uh, you know, he had, he had a wedding. He's got weddings. He said, we hired Sean to do weddings. We hired you, Pastor, to change the light bulbs and to make sure that the air conditioning is set right and to make sure the coffee's hot. And uh, we've hired you to fix all of our problems. Well, you might think that's my job, but according to Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm not going to take the time to dive into this, but I gave you the reference so you can look at, look at it yourself. My job is really just to prepare you to do the works of ministry. It's not my job to do all the ministry. It's my job to prepare you to do the ministry. Now, going back to our text, he calls himself a servant of Christ. I want you to write this down. The word servant is the word in the Greek... It's the word under rower, the under rower. You say, what in the world is an under rower? Now, don't forget, if you've been with us, I actually showed you a map. Corinth is a port city, and the ships would come into Corinth, and they had to get the ships across four miles of dry land, and the slaves would take the ships, and they would roll the ships on dry ground, for four miles, and they would go, the entire Roman fleet, as they moved from east to west, would go from the uh, Ion sea, sea to the Aegean Sea. And remember, we had that little slogan. They had a slogan back in Corinth. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. And uh, these ships, there were ships everywhere in Corinth. And the ships many times had down underneath, not on the deck, but down underneath, they had these little benches. And that's where when the boats were in the water, the slaves would sit on those benches. 
And up in front would be the captain of the ship or someone who was assigned by the captain of the ship. And the men's job, the slaves' job in the bottom of the boat, in the belly of the ship, was to simply row and row and row and row according to how the captain wanted them to row. Now, you did not want to be an under rower, all right? That was the worst job in the world. It was hot down there. It was dirty down there. Uh, it was filthy down there, all right? You can only imagine. Now, I have a picture from the movie Ben-Hur. Now, this was back in 1959. Some of you weren't even alive then. You should have been alive, but you weren't. But uh, uh, Ben-Hur is one of the greatest movies that have ever been filmed, period. And some of you have never even watched it. You need to watch Has he ever seen Ben-Hur, this young he needs to watch the movie Ben-Hur, okay? And there's a scene where uh, Charlton Heston is down in the belly of the ship, and that's exactly what he's doing. He's an under rower. And his job is simply, his duty is to do what the captain says. If the captain says to row fast, he's got to row fast. If the captain says row slow, he's got to row slow. If the captain says stop, he's got to stop. If the captain says turn left, they got to row left. The captain says turn right, they got to turn right. Their lives were spent doing one thing. They had one purpose. An underroar was to do whatever the captain wanted him to do. And that's the exact word that Paul uses to describe a minister. A minister is nothing more than an underroar of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is telling the church of Corinth, don't look at us like, don't put us up on a pedestal. Uh, you're overestimating who we are. We're simply servants of Christ with our eyes fixed on Jesus, and whatever Jesus says, we'll do, and wherever Jesus sends, we will go, and wherever he leads, we will follow, and whatever he requires, we will give, and whatever he demands, we will obey. That's what a minister is. He's an under, he's just a servant of Jesus Christ. Got his eyes fixed on Jesus, doing whatever Jesus asked him to do. And then he explains that the main responsibility that I have as an under rower is to be a faithful steward to the gospel. My job is to be a faithful steward. He's not actually rowing in a boat underneath a ship. That's the word that he used. But his job is to be a faithful steward to the Word of God. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 4 and just look at verse 1 and 2. He says, so then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ. And as those entrusted, say the word entrusted. God has entrusted something to me. The secret things of God. In other words, all the things that God teaches him, all the things that God reveals to him, all the truth of God that God has placed in his hands. You've all heard, uh, you know, to be a steward. We always talk about to be a steward of our time or to be a steward of our talent or to be a steward of our treasure. But Paul adds a fourth dimension to being a steward. I'm a steward of all the things that God has ever taught me, verse 2. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove themselves what? Faithful. And what he's saying is, look, I'm a, all I, do, I serve Christ, number one. Don't put me up on a pedestal. I have one goal. Just keep my eyes on Christ and do whatever he asks And the one thing that he's asked me to do, above all the things, is he placed in my hands the gospel. Now, we we will learn in, in the next few chapters, as we get through the book of Corinthians, that the gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the the mysteries of God, is that salvation is found in Jesus Christ. 
And what he's saying is, I, my, here's my job. I have to be faithful to the Word of God, to that which God has taught me. And part of our problem today is we've got so many ministers that are so politically correct that they have abandoned the Word of God and they're afraid to actually teach the Word of God. And we need men who understand that their job is to follow Jesus Christ, to not be politically correct, and to be a faithful steward, to be faithful to what the Word of God actually teaches. Can someone say amen to that? Now, not only is he an under rower, he wants you to know this. Write this down, number two. I want you to write down the word humble. The word humble. Paul had a proper perspective of who he really was. No matter how others viewed him, he had a different take on who he was. Yes, yes, he was an apostle. I will give that to you. He was one of the pillars of the New Testament church. Yes, he went on four missionary journeys. I'll give you that. He was a great missionary. He was a great church planner. Yes, yes, he wrote half of the New Testament that you're holding in your hand. Yeah, he was a great writer. He wrote half of, the, half of the New Testament there. But he saw himself in another light. I want you to look at verse 9. Here's what he says, and I'll explain it to you. Go all the way to verse 9. It seems to me, everyone say seems to me, that God has put us apostles. You put us up on a pedestal. But I view it that God has put us on display at the end of the procession like men condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe. You see, he was willing to die here. And I want to explain this to you. Back and when this was written, Rome, as they conquered the world, this was common knowledge, that after they conquered a city or a town or a province, they would have a parade. And they'd have the generals on their horses, and they'd bring the army, and they'd be marching the soldiers. At the very end of the procession, at the very, very end, they'd bring the prisoners. They would chain them. They would drag them and pull them through the streets. So you'd have the army coming through, and at the end of that procession would be all the, the prisoners. And those prisoners who had been taken captive, guess what was going to happen to them? They were going to be led into the arenas where they would be fed to the lions. Or they would have to fight the gladiators. They were considered to be criminals. And, and, and they were nothing but lion food. We, we would say they're nothing but bird seed today. But they were nothing but lion food. And, and the Apostle Paul, he saw himself as simply someone who was at the end of the procession chain and that he was willing to die if need be for Jesus Christ. That's how he, that's how he saw himself. And then look at verse 12. He worked hard with his own hands. And they were cursed. I, I know that you say nice things about the preacher, but most people curse the preacher. And even when he's cursed, he said, we would bless. And we're persecuted. Those days are coming. Even though we're persecuted, we would endure. And, and we're, verse 13, we were slandered. But we answered kindly. And then he says, up to this moment, we have become... You, 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 put, you put the preacher on a pedestal. The Bible says, Paul, Paul says, I considered myself to be the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. I want you to write that down. 
He saw himself as the scum of the earth. Now, those are, those are heavy words, but let me just tell you, he's just trying to put everything in perspective. He, he's basically saying, hey, don't consider us to be all that, all right? Don't put us up on a pedestal. I mean, most of the world views us as the scum of the earth. We are willing to die. Stop dividing the church over which man, which apostle you're going to follow. Everything in perspective, he's basically saying, we are nothing. We're nothing is what he's saying. What you need to be doing is being focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to tell you this, and this is personal speaking here. The church is supposed to grow, okay? If the church isn't growing, something's wrong. There's always people who quit the church. Well, your church is too big. Well, where are you going to go? I'm going to hear a smaller church. Well, good luck to you. In a few years, you should be leaving that church as well because that church is going to grow. You shouldn't say, I want to go to a little church because it's too big. Every church, I mean, if, if you just give me 50 people, we'll start all over. Just give me 50 people. The people here in the first eight rows, seven rows, we'll start our own little church. We'll go over here and we'll meet out on the parking lot. Well, next week there should be 60 of us and then 70 of us and then 80 of us because what are we doing? We're out witnessing. We're sharing our faith. We're talking to others about faith in Christ. And, and so the church should naturally grow. But here's the problem. And I've, I want you to know there are two dangers to a growing church. Now, I believe the church should grow. But there's two dangers. And I've exp- I've, I've, I have felt this. That the larger the church becomes, the more the people get enamored with the pastor. I experience that. There goes the pastor. Okay? And that's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Second thing that's dangerous is that the pastor himself starts to think that he's a celebrity. And then it goes to his head. And then all of a sudden, everything has changed. And, and I don't see that with the Apostle Paul. There were some people enamored with him. He said, hey, 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 I'm the scum of the world. Don't, don't put your faith in me. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? You know, I'm called. I call today the church, a letter, I'm a pastor. Now, there was a period where I was a minister. And we went through a period of change in our country where we went from being ministers to pastors. But when I was younger... We didn't call ministers, ministers or pastors. You know what we call the word that we used? Reverend. That used to be on my business card, Reverend Dudley. It sounds like an oxymoron. But, uh, <laughs> the, there's one guy clapping over there. There's one guy awake over there. But this is true. In our country, we used to have such a high regard for the ministers of our churches, we actually called them reverends. So that was their name. Like, we're to revere the pastor. And very early on, my, I said, hey, do not call me reverend. First of all, there's nothing reverend about me. Amen. Number one. That's number one. But the only time we see the word reverend used in the Bible is actually a word that's referred to to God. God is the only one who should be revered. And it's okay to respect the pastor, and it's okay to honor the pastor. I don't want you to say that, that that's wrong, because there's, Paul actually says in one text that a pastor really deserves double honor, uh, and I don't want to go into all that. All I'm saying is that there used to be a period where we called people, they used to call the pastor reverend, and, and, and again, I think Paul's just trying to get all this in perspective for us. Don't, don't consider me to be all that. 
If, if anybody's going to be all that, it's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ in your way of thinking, okay? Give him, put him up on that pedestal. So, so he says we're servants, we're under rowers, stewards of the gospel. We are to humble ourselves. We are willing to die. We see ourselves as the scum. Here's, number, here's, a, here's what a minister does. Number three, write this down. We are example setters. That's all we are. So we set good examples. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, we don't always, but we're supposed to. He saw himself as someone who was just supposed to set the example. Now, I want to read through this, starting with verse 14, all right? Verse 14, we're going to read down to verse 17. He says, he goes, I am not writing this. There's everything I've said here. He says, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear, what's the word? children he saw them as his children verse 15 even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ you do not have many fathers for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel verse 16 therefore I urge you if I urge you to do anything it's simply to imitate me verse 17 For the reason I'm sending to you, Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. Why is he sending Timothy? Because Timothy is going to remind you of what? He's going to remind you of my way of life, the way I lived. Some of you guys have forgotten how I lived my life. I'm going to send Timothy, my son, to remind you of the way I live my life in Christ Jesus which, by the way, agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Write this down. He saw himself as a father figure. It's very obvious when you read through that. Now, the Apostle Paul never had any children, physical children. He was celibate. He never got married. And yet, he talks about Timothy, my son. He saw the entire Corinthian church as his children. And here's why. Whenever you lead someone to Christ, you become a spiritual parent to that person. And what is the number one task of a parent? The number one task of a parent is to raise your children in the Lord. And how do you do that? By setting a good example. You can yell at them all you want. It's not going to do you any good. They're going to mimic you. They're going to they're learn character by the character that they see in you. Uh, uh, they learn integrity by the integrity that they see in you. They learn how to set priorities by the way you set your priorities. Uh, they learn how to work hard when they see you working hard. They learn how to live when they see how you live. And most important... Your children learn faith by the faith that they see in you, which is Christ-likeness. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul had done. He had led them to Christ, number one. And secondly, he had set a Christ-like example for each and every one of them. That's why you have there in verse 16 that phrase, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. He knew that he was setting an example for them, and he wanted them to follow that example. Hope the message you just heard tonight from Pastor Dudley has been a blessing to you. Isaiah 55:11 reminds us that the preaching of God's word never returns void. 
We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by if you are in need of prayer. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. We know the enemy is always at work with his deliberate and calculated attacks against us. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. Again, our phone number is 888-818-4777. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.